Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. In looking at some of the prophetic words that Isaiah wrote about the Messiah, we've seen how Jesus was described 700 years before his birth as a shepherd, as a servant, as a light to the Gentiles. And today we come to the most famous uh, of all these prophecies about the servant, the Messiah being sent as the servant of God. And that, of course, begins actually at the end of chapter 52, but includes the whole of chapter 53. Let's read from verse 13 of chapter 52. See, my servant will act wisely. So this is still referring to Jesus. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now that, of course, is talking about his ascension and his return to heaven in victory. But what did he have to go through first before that could take place? Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness so will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. Now you see, this does not fit in with the popular image of the Messiah. Being a figure whose appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, his form marred beyond human likeness. But in reality, that's what Jesus looked like as he hung upon the cross. No wonder, therefore, that the first verse of chapter 53 reads, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? See, the interesting thing is this, that it's only when you believe that the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, hung on that cross. When you believe that, that the arm of the Lord is revealed to you, that the power of God to free you from your sin and from your sinful nature actually takes hold of your life, and you are made a new creation, you are made a new person in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. Now, how is all this possible? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Now, that's another very important word. Why? Because many people simply expected that the Messiah would one day appear, not be born as a little child, but he would sometime appear as the king of glory, as the victorious one. And he would immediately restore the nation of Israel. He would set uh, the nation free from all its enemies and, uh, and restore his people completely. But here clearly in the prophecy, he is going to start like a tender shoot out of dry ground, right, right in the spiritual desert that existed. Uh, this servant was going to be born in weakness. But what was he to become as he hung on that cross? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
Why was it so important for him to be born as a baby then? Because he was sharing our humanity. He was becoming our representative on the cross. Therefore, he had to, as the epistle to the Hebrews says, share our weakness and be tempted in every way just as we are. But look what he suffered on our behalf. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. I make no apology, you see, as we are getting near the festival of Christmas, of talking about the cross of Jesus, because he was a man born to die. He was a man born specifically in the purposes of God to be crucified and to take all our sin upon himself. Really, the whole of the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus is lived under the shadow of the cross. Years and years ago, I did a, a painting of, of Jesus in the arms of Mary under the shadow of the cross um, because I wanted to. It, 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 it wasn't a painting that I kept. It was something that I, I did during a sermon in the church where I was pastor then. I just drew this as I was preaching. It had a great impact upon people because they understood that you can't just separate the birth of Jesus into nice stories and narratives about stables and shepherds and wise men, that the reason why he was born into the world was to make his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. Now, we saw as we began this series of programs at the beginning of the week that God says we have all gone astray like lost sheep. And this thought is reintroduced right in the middle of this prophecy about the cross. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Whenever Jesus was falsely accused, he refused to even defend himself. When he was challenged as to who he was, he had to speak, because silence would have been a denial of who he was. Verse 8 says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And the amazing thing, Julia, is that this was the will of God. It wasn't really Pilate and the, and the Pharisees that crucified Jesus. It was God himself working out his purpose. So it says in verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, you see, it's what the Lord is doing, what God is doing. 
Though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. The will of God can be outworked because Jesus was faithful in giving his life for us on the cross. And what is going to be the outcome of this? Well, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He will know, in other words, that he has fully accomplished the will and the purpose of God. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, will bring many into a place where they are totally accepted by God, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. You see, it wasn't enough for him just to die. He had to die the, the, die the death of a sinner, even though he had committed no sin himself, because it was our punishment that he was actually taking upon himself. So the prophecy ends, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We can praise God that in those verses, everything that can afflict us was covered. Our infirmities, our sorrows, our sins. He was crushed. He was not a beautiful sight. So all those of us who don't think there's anything beautiful about us, either physically or as people, all of us who feel crushed by life's events, we can all know that Jesus Christ went through all that, identifying with us completely, so that now we can be identified with him. And all this is made possible by the birth of Jesus. There couldn't be the cross without the birth. And all this week, you see, I've been linking the two, the birth and the death, because the two belong together. And even, even, even the prophecies that were given to Mary before uh, Jesus began his ministry, even when he was a little child, it was made quite clear to her what she would have to suffer, what she would have to go through because of the way in which her son would suffer. But all this is the purpose of God. All this is the plan of God so that now we can go free. So I'm always thankful to Jesus in three ways. I thank him that he humbled himself and became man, because unless he'd been prepared to do that, nothing else that followed could have happened. Secondly, I always thank God for his obedience. Because although he shared my weakness and was tempted in every way just as I am, yet he was always without sin. He lived in perfect obedience to his Father. And thirdly, I thank him that he went to the cross, took all my sin, all my shame, all my guilt, all my sickness upon himself, and he rose triumphant so that now I can live in the good of his victory. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 